to the Horribly Horrific Horribleness Podcast, you know, 4-H. To my slowly growing base of listeners, I say thanks for sticking with me. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and enjoy these. And to any new listeners, oh boy, you guys are in for a bit of a treat. So I talked about myself more than enough in the last two introductions, so today I'm going to switch things up a bit and do some of the social media stuff at the beginning. First off, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud. If you just search for Horror 4H there, you'll find me. You can also search for Horror 4H on iTunes and find me there. Follow me on Twitter at Horror 4H for little updates, funny quips, and the occasional shout-out to solid horror that I don't riff on. If you have any suggestions on movies I should riff on, any compliments, any critiques, or anything else along those lines, you can drop me a line at Horror4H at gmail.com. And something I've been fairly awful about remembering to plug, the Patreon page. So you can visit it at patreon.com forward slash horror4h, and I will be updating there as I do on Twitter. But more importantly, on Patreon, you can show your support through more than just listening. Now, let's be honest, I'm not expecting to get rich doing this. Although, if that happens, I certainly will not complain. But where I'm currently hosting, I have a hard limit of 180 minutes worth of podcast, which means, likely after this episode, I'll have to take down the oldest one to upload a new one. I have a payment goal set up on Patreon where you can donate a dollar a month. That's one dollar a month. That's not too bad overall, really. And if I can get nine of you to go there and do that, I can switch to a new hosting platform and have unlimited storage space and bandwidth, meaning you should be able to have constant access to any and all of the episodes I'll put out forever. Exciting. I know. I should also point out I plan to have more goals and rewards set up eventually. I just don't know what they're going to be yet. Perhaps access to outtakes, nothing like hearing me stumble over my words and then cuss and laugh at myself. If there's one for it, maybe I'll do some video segments so you can see my beautiful face and facial expressions and hand motions while I talk about how bad these movies are. Maybe even for the super generous donors, you can pick a movie I'll riff on. Who knows? I'm open to suggestions, so you can tweet or email me those. Till then, though, anyone donating... And signing up for the dollar a month pledge will be thanked by me at the beginning of every podcast until the list gets so big I can't feasibly do it anymore. I know, but hey, a guy can dream, right? But that's it for the plugging. Now on to the horror. And I do mean horror. The feature presentation this week is insanely bad. I had a hard time watching it, so you know it's fun. It's a craptastic movie from the early 80s, so sit back, relax, and enjoy bad horror through someone else's eyes. Slumber Party Massacre, 1982. So right off the bat, we have crappy organ music, and they went full red murder font. And frankly, I love both those choices. I'm hoping this means that the movie's going to be so bad that I just want to end all life levels of amazing. So we start with a blood-curdling scream, but it's just a radio giveaway. Ah, what a classic false start. Stares into camera, unimpressed. We're not even at the two minutes mark. Seriously, I had to check, and it's at a minute, 57 seconds in, and we already have a gratuitous tit shot. I kind of have a feeling there's going to be a lot of those, though, based on the name of the movie. So, settle in. And I'm assuming this is the main character, and she's packing up a lot of her stuff, toys and dolls, in preparation for the slumber party, question mark? Have her friends literally never come over and seen her room before? Or is this some sort of grand attempt by the director to symbolize her getting rid of her innocence? Or, more likely, they weren't allowed to keep using that stuff and they had to give it back to Goodwill uh, at the end of the shoot. So, The radio tells us that the police are still looking for the escaped murderer. And also on this broadcast, a segment about well-placed newscast. Yes, I know Family Guy already did that joke. I don't care. Seth MacFarlane can sue me. Side note. Seth MacFarlane... Please do not sue me. I'm sorry. Are you hiring? I do voices. I can do Peter's laugh in case you don't want to do that anymore. You know? Okay. 
Her parents are leaving because how else are you going to have a slumber party, let alone a massacre? But creepy next-door neighbor guy will check in, so it's totally cool. He's really creepy, though. He's just standing there watching them leave and then stares at the main character. Creepily. Who then says, Mom, I'm 18 now, which in retrospect, makes it totally okay that all the men in the audience were ogling at her tits. Now they don't have to feel guilty about it. Yay! And someone takes one of her dolls out of the trash can. Was it the killer? Creepy neighbor? Random dude who really wanted a doll? Questions! Which, actually, I'll come back to later because I didn't realize this while watching the movie uh, the first time, but this single event at the beginning of the movie has such stupidly large, wide-reaching implications that I just I have to go back to it later. So, anyways... We meet two guys who I'll usually refer to as the guys. I'm clever, right? I know. Mm. They're hitting on the phone repairwoman outside the school while she's doing her job. And after the failed attempt at hitting on her, she instantly gets sucked into her van by the killer. Legitimately, she's just bashing on the back window and screaming, and none of the dozens of people hear her as this guy uses a drill he found in the van to murder the shit out of her. Like, the movie would have been over right there if the killer hadn't been insanely lucky. And I'm not talking about normal luck. Like, this is the special luck. Which, spoiler alert, happens a lot later on. Back to the main character and her friends as they're supposedly actually playing basketball. Like, it, it makes it seem they're on the basketball team and no one can dribble. They're bouncing the ball, like, above neck height in an exaggerated fashion that's honestly kind of just sad. I mean, I'm not a sports expert. Far, far, far from it. But holy shit, this is bad, you guys. We're introduced briefly to Val, who, despite being the only competent basketball player, is only commenting on about her looks for the most part. And she makes one single basket, and one of the main gang members says, Teacher's pet. Like, that's not how you use that word. Whatever. And about five minutes after the first nudity shot, we have to follow all of the girls into the showers because of very important directorial reasons. Literally, the camera slowly pans down to make sure we see one woman's ass, like, up close. They're not even trying to hide it. It just slowly panned down, full-on ass, hold, hold, and slowly pan up just in time for her to turn around to see her boobs. Like, this obviously furthers the plot. Without this, how would we know that these women sometimes get naked? I know we didn't have internet porn in the 80s, but I'm pretty sure we still had magazines. And I mean, it's not like the guys in the audience were going to just whip it out and... Oh, never mind. The girls are ripping on Val for being too pretty. Like, oh no, she's good at basketball, and she's pretty, and her eyebrows are perfect, and these are not very good insults at all. Trish, the main character, decides to invite her to the party, but looks like Val heard all of the non-insults and declines. Rightly so. Good move, Val. Trish seems to be the nice one. There's Diane, who's the bitch, and Val is the too pretty one, I guess. Jackie is another one, who really isn't all that important, and the fourth girl also has a name, but I don't know it. Never bothered to learn it. Didn't write it down. Don't care. Murderer gets to watch them from the phone van as they're all leaving, and Linda who isn't one of those four, she's just a random person who they said her name, Linda, forgets something and needs to go back into the school to get it. Bet that won't get her murdered at all. The guys, who aren't invited but are still walking and talking about the slumber party, because it's not like the guys would ever crash the party, one of them says, what are provisions? You're fucking high school seniors. You don't know what provisions are? Wait, do I only know that word because of the Oregon Trail? Were provisions in Oregon Trail? Why are these people listening to me question myself about Oregon Trail? How many times can I actually say Oregon Trail before it becomes just how their brain permanently hears that phrase? 
Maybe the next time they hear Oregon Trail, they'll just hear me saying it instead. Let's hope so. Oregon Trail. So, oh no, we're following Linda around the school. That does not bode well for her. And the van was just shown again, empty. <gasps> She's walking around the school and cue the happy, cute organ music. That, that's not scary at all. Okay, whatever. Oh no, the doors are locked. That's totally scary, especially because of the noises she just heard behind her. Run, Linda, get out of there, break the windows, or just walk around normal speed and push on doors and be mildly confused. That, that works too, I guess. Okay. So, oh no, the crazy killer man is walking up behind her loudly, and she doesn't hear him even though he's being super loud. And now I have to take a moment because the door she's trying to leave through is obviously a major exit in the school. And it has a shitload of graffiti on it. Like, no, no, they'd make the janitor stay late to clean that. You lost me, movie. I'm sorry. Suspension of disbelief. Gone. And now this killer stabs downward with the drill he murdered the phone technician with on his unsuspecting victim. Unsuspecting victim. And hits her in the arm. The arm. Seriously. And she's running away now. Okay. So she's actually running as best she can and trying to put stuff in his path. And he's quote unquote running like he's still trying to be quiet. Dude, she knows you're trying to kill her. You know, you're, you're not being quiet anymore. You've got a drill and you're chasing her. She knows you're there. And the music playing in the background is something I'd expect to hear when we're first introduced to the spooky goblins from outer space for the first time. Not chase music. To her credit, though, she picks a good hiding spot and isn't crying or gasping for air and making a scene, but there is a giant pool of blood that's all over the floor, and that might be a problem. But she does grab a hand towel, so that'll fix it. But no, he sees the tiniest trickle of blood. Good thing he looked down for literally no reason right next to the door the blood is pooling out of. So, remember, he's got that crazy good killer luck. So he drills the door down, somehow, I guess, I don't know. She screams, we don't even get to see her horrible death. What a ripoff! But we are treated to him dead sprinting to the back to the van with the drill out in the open. Good thing no one in this town ever sees anything weird happening. We're treated to two women arriving in different homes at the same time, and honestly, I'm not sure if either is important, but it doesn't really matter because we see a creepy van following a different woman, and then a creepy guy gets out of the creepy van to follow her creepily, but it's cool because it's actually one of the guys, and the woman, like, throws him, and, oh, it's funny, you know, oh, you think you broke my spine, well, you shouldn't be following me like that. It's cool. It's just Diane and her boyfriend, John. Likely, they'll live happily ever after and not be massacred at a slumber party. Mm-hmm. The main character, I think, I don't know, is driving home and listening to the radio about how there was a brutal series of murders back in the day and that the killer, Russ Thorne, is changed the channel. Well, cluelessness kills. Like, the gods of fate are trying everything in their power to let these people know they're gonna die, and they just ignore them. It's sad, really. Oh, also, wait, this was not the main character. This is the basketball coach. I swear all the white girls in this film look exactly the same to me. I know I'm terrible. She's opening the door, and oh no, a drill! But it's okay, it's just the handy woman putting a peephole in. You thought she was gonna get murdered. You're silly. Though maybe she will later, because her handy person saw the telephone repair van across the street. Wait. If that's supposed to be the killer, how did he end up beating her home even though he spent several minutes murdering Linda? Wait, did he even murder Linda? I don't know, we didn't see her get murdered. Do you think Linda's gonna show up at the end of the movie and be all, You should have killed me when you had the chance! Probably not, no, but that'd be, that'd be cool. So now this is the main character, I think. I don't know, I need a program or something to follow. Anyways, she hears a noise while she's on the phone, looks, and the front door is open and obviously wasn't locked. Bitch, you heard the news report when you got up this morning. Why the hell is your door unlocked? 
whatever. The front door was unlocked and open, so she closes it and then decides, since the front door was unlocked and open, better play the piano. What? Uh, okay. Slow pan to creepy shadow on the stairs. She hears him and runs to the front door. Okay, not actually a bad move. Usually in horror movies, they just run to the literal worst spot. But she runs to the front door and can't fucking open it. She she literally just did stuff with the front door and sat down to play the piano. But now she has the door opening ability of a dust mite. Thankfully, it's just the creepy neighbor next door her mom put in charge of making sure everything's okay. He saw the door was open and didn't see her anywhere, even though she was literally one room away and loudly on the fucking phone. And so instead of, you know, checking the house, he goes straight upstairs. Forget the escaped lunatic. Somebody investigate this dude. Change scene? And this is the coach again, I think? I don't know. Seriously, like, these women look way too similar. She's making food, but sadly knocks over a large glass of something full of red liquid. I think the coach is either a vampire or likes wine. Maybe both. I don't know. She hears a noise, though, and is using the broken glass as a weapon, just in case. So, points for that, actually. Not a bad move. Better investigate this scratching noise that she's hearing, and it's her cat! And the cat's name is Muffin, but honestly, the cat's name should be Jump Scare. Back to the guys, who say, let's go scare the girls. The other guy says, but we're not invited. Hey, girls love to scream. Dude, you might want to rethink your flirting approach. Like, I imagine this guy just runs around, jumping out from behind stuff, yelling, Ah! Hey, you want to sleep with me? The other guy actually seems rational in his refusal, but then they say something so inaudible, I actually had to turn on the closed captioning. Let me read to you what it thought these guys said. Starts off normal, but ends up going, Wah. Let's go by and scare the girls tonight. But we're not invited. Just a baby scare. I mean, you know how girls love to scream. I don't know. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, so they get mad at us. Thank you shit out of us. Right, we did three times. Wait, what? I don't know. Honestly, if I could see their faces well enough to lip read, I think maybe bad lip reading would have a field day with this. But, eh, it doesn't matter. Oh my god, they walked by the phone repair van. Dun, dun, dun. The girls are arriving for their slumber party, and creepy serial killer dude was watching from the bushes. <gasps> Bet that's not gonna play into anything. The main character apparently has some completely stupid friends because they enter and show her booze and she proceeds to tell them, no, shakes her head no, motions to the kitchen and then loudly says, oh good, soda pop. Then they continue to talk about booze and pull out pot while she's still mouthing, no, and then they finally go, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with her? Why are you guys so fucking dense? Because next door neighbor dude is right there. He tells them he won't tell anyone as long as she doesn't tell her parents that he scared her to death earlier. Which just honestly really cements my thoughts that someone needs to check this guy out. Like 10 to 1, he walks out the door, pulls out a pair of her panties and inhales deeply. This dude has Creeper written all over him. And I know Creeper, boys and girls, because I'm, you know, kind of a dirty perverted creep myself. But I don't take it to his level. Gentleman first, pervert second. That's how you do it. She still doesn't lock the door, by the way. Like, good God, that's just stupid. And then someone pours half a freaking bag of sugar into Kool-Aid. Oh, wait, that's not the main character anymore with the Kool-Aid. That's, uh, hold on, let me scroll back up through my notes. Okay, it's Val! 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 Okay, oh, she saw people arriving to the slumber party. She lives, like, two houses down or something. This shows how invested I am in these characters. Very invested. Super invested. She's not at the party because, quote-unquote, she had to take care of her darling little sister. Okay. 
Whatever. According to this movie, when the girls hang out, they literally talk about nothing except how much of one of their friends is a slut and a bitch and all about her boyfriend's dick. And it's, it's good to know, ladies. We all know your secrets now. Aha. Noise from the kitchen? Better check it out. It's a coffee pot that busted because she left the burner on. And then she immediately picks it up and touches the bottom of it. So right here... This movie should have become about how the main character is completely immune to heat, like no effects whatsoever from touching a glass pot that busted open from heat. She's fucking magic. Jump scare from slutty friend Diane. Oh. Also, kids, there's really, there's nothing wrong with being a slut. I just wanted to make sure we all knew that. Slut shaming's not okay, but I will likely be doing some of it in this riffing as an attempt to highlight the absurdity of doing it for real because they do it in the movie and I have to riff off of what they're doing. Sorry. Now there's more noises. It's dog in a trash can, but this is back over at Val's house. The little sister is apparently the smartest person in the movie because when she's told to deal with it, she smartly replies that she's not stupid and isn't going out in the dark alone. If everyone else in this movie had half the sense she does, they'd all live, but they don't. And so far we only have two deaths, so this isn't even a massacre yet. Little Sis takes the few moments Val is outside to find the secret stash of Playgirls. Remember, this is before we had internet porn. Do not judge her. Val notices a swing moving by itself outside, and instead of investigating it, actually runs back inside. So Val and her sister hopefully survive. They're not stupid. And oh look, the guys decided to show up to scare the girls, right when the girls are talking about sex and undressing in the main room downstairs with the lights on and the blinds open. The fuck? At whatever. Just shy of 30 minutes. And even more gratuitous nudity. I'm, I'm really actually starting to wonder if people used to go to these movies to be scared or if there was an ulterior motive. The guys are obviously having a good time and wonder if they died and went to heaven because heaven is standing next to a window watching girls topless. I, I mean, like, okay, that sounds fine, but heaven? Really? Alright, whatever. Val knows her little sister is looking at her playgirl and instead of being mean, basically says, no worries, just don't rip out the centerfold. And I'm starting to think Val is actually the real hero of this movie, so... Stoner girls are going to order a pizza, and one of the girls, who's the only one dressed, they, they're all dressed, she's just the only one who isn't in pajamas. I, I felt I needed to clarify, because there's been so much pointless nudity, I didn't want you to think they were all just walking around naked. Although, I'm kind of surprised they're not, but whatever. She's going to go get firewood. Bet that's going to go just fine. Okay, scary things watching her. Is it a killer? Is it one of the guys? Who knows? But she gets scared because there's a snail on the firewood, and then suddenly there's a knife behind her, and it kills the snail, so it's okay. But it is the creepy next-door neighbor guy. Why the fuck is he walking around their house with a knife? Oh, oh, he's snail hunting. That's the 53rd snail he's killed tonight, and apparently the knife is the only way to get them. Seriously, someone call the cops on this fucking psycho. At least the drill killer was in a mental institution already. He's in the system. This guy... He's just running around free, hacking snails to pieces with a knife, rummaging around teenage girls' bedrooms and saying shit like, don't tell your parents. Spoiler. When somebody tells you, don't tell your parents, nine times out of ten, you should tell your parents. Uh, okay, never mind. Don't call the cops. Neighbor just got a drill through the neck. That, that literally no one heard, despite the girl having left him alone ten seconds before. Right. This is a theme that the movie has. Not hearing, obviously hearable shit, so be ready for me to call this out a lot. You know, but the guys by the window hear the drill a little and then they ignore it because they're dumbasses and the girls are talking about horoscopes. One of the girls is going to get a head with the opposite sex and the other will get the rest she deserves. And, and honestly, if the former doesn't get her head cut off or something, I'm going to be really upset. The main character closes the window, but sees some movement. Dun, dun. 
But it's cool because the girl who brought in the firework closed the door behind her. So, right? Maybe. Oh, she doesn't know. She doesn't know if she just closed the door. Really. Like, less than a minute ago, she has no idea if she fucking closed the door. Okay. They look out the window again, and the doll she threw away is covered in blood and stuck to the wall. Ah! Maybe with the knife the neighbor dude had. I don't know. It's too dark to tell, honestly. So they say, it must just be those boys. Really? The boys took out the doll you threw away this morning, then soaked it in blood and knifed it to a wall. This just raises questions about the boys, honestly. But remember earlier how I said the doll was taken? So here's why that single thing combined with this just shits all over everything. So obviously it wasn't creepy neighbor dude who took the doll. It wasn't the guys. It was Driller. Which means the doll was taken mere moments after she placed it in the bag. So her parents, her, creepy neighbor dude, all of them should have seen some weird ass dude walking around all weird and no one noticed him rummaging through their trash. So, apparently the sexiest thing for people in this town is obliviousness, which they have bred for in spades. The garage door is closed, but not locked. And the garage light is busted, which obviously saved them some money in the budget. You know, oh no, we see someone was in the garage as they leave it. <gasps> dun dun dun. Back to Val and her sister, the people I actually give a shit about. Val's outside, look out, Val looks outside and hears sirens, but nothing comes of that. And then she gives her sister a slight riffing, and her sister goes from normal to angry two-year-old in record time about it, including a full-on pouty face. Okay. Still dressed one, Diane, calls her boyfriend sneakily, because no one is going to notice you leaving a four-person party. Right. And during the eavesdropping, the lights go out! Oh no! They actually seem fairly excited by this, though. And they all have lighters, suddenly, despite none of them actually having real clothes on. So, I'm kind of wondering where they hid the lighters. Yeah. Anyways, they gotta go check the fuse box, which is in the garage. Better make Twilight Zone noises, because yeah, I don't know either. They're just like, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. Why is that Twilight zone that the fuse box is in the garage? I don't know. So they leave the whole house to walk across the backyard to get the garage, despite the garage having been attached to the house mere moments before. Wait, what? This becomes a thing later. I... Yeah. So there's a face behind the boxes. Uh, it's probably one of the guys, though. Yeah, it's the guys. But before the girls know it's the guy, they just punch him right in the face. And rightly so. And he's like, can't you take a joke? And I'm just sitting here going, I don't know, can't you take a punch? Like, jump out of boxes, you know, with being all creepy, gonna try to scare the girls, and one of them punches you. You kind of gotta expect that, man. Sorry, not sorry. Back to Val and Courtney, because trash can noises yet again. And if this is the killer, the question of why he doesn't kill people when they go investigate noises is kind of hanging out in the open there. I mean, that seems like the perfect opportunity. Oh, no, it was it was Courtney that did it. It was her sister. Oh, that's who made the noises to get Val to go outside so she could scare her with a fucking knife. But it's cool because it's dull. And also, you deserve it for what you said to me earlier. She made a joke about you giving a handjob to some guy once and you attack her with a fucking knife? Jesus, this creepy neighbor guy earlier like i'm wondering how much shit these people do that we haven't seen maybe the killer's just going around murdering insane people who will eventually go on killing sprees themselves i mean that's it i'm rooting from the killer from now on go crazy drill guy and she's all you won't tell mom will you that you almost fucking murdered me with a goddamn knife nah we're cool oh hey it's the uh, guy from the van earlier and he's here to sex up his lady who invites him into the garage apparently the garage is where everything happens around here Oh, back over to sister time. Sister says, maybe there's boys at the party. So she wants to crash it. But she... 
she probably just wants to fucking stab everybody there with a knife, honestly. But also, she gets mad at her sister for saying she did shit with boys, and then instantly wants to crash a party because there might be boys there. Okay. Alright, whatever. Van Dude and Diane are making out in the car while the girls make food for the guys who weren't even supposed to be there. The fuck? Also, the guys can't help but make exaggerated facial emotions about how they saw the girls undressing, and the girls are right fucking there. These guys are too stupid to have sex. And good news, spoiler, they don't get to. They they die. They both, All the guys gonna die. All of them. They're all gonna die. Literal 10-second close-up of Diane's tits being manhandled. That's important to the plot. She at least understands the garage is likely going to be invaded eventually, and so, you know, he tries to get her to ditch the party for sex because he's sensitive... Wait, what? Yep, nope, that was said. Okay, so of course she agrees, because why the fuck not? I don't know. Come on, drill killer, show up and do your thing. Oh, okay, so holy fucking shit, I just saw, honest to God, decent dialogue, and even more surprising, decent acting. So Diane wants to, quote-unquote, go get a beer, and Trish, main character, actually goes along with the ruse, but fully understanding of what's actually up. Like, the dialogue with something horny teenagers trying to get out of an obligation would say, and it was delivered sheepishly and subtly. I'm not even joking. For about one minute of this movie, it felt like an actual honest-to-God movie. Good job. Now, quick, let's kill everyone so we can end the movie on a high note. Oh, the movie gods actually listened a little bit. Diane gets back into the uh, car with Van Guy, whose head promptly falls off but they don't hear her scream about it because the blender's going while they're making margaritas. And here comes Driller. Yay! Go, Driller! Also, I have to jump back to the horoscopes thing for a second because, yes, yes, Diane was the one who was told she'd get a head with the opposite sex, and then her boyfriend's head falls off. Oh, it fell onto her. That shit's hilarious. Also, how the fuck did Driller cut the guy's head off? There's no blood anywhere. She would have seen that. There's no noise because the dialogue being delivered was actually subtle and not loud. And he not only cut the guy's head off, but fucking put it back on so it wasn't super noticeable till she touched him and it fell off. Like, fuck me, that is some damn good craftsmanship for killing right there. I just now decided I'm going to do a most inventive kill award for the movies I watch. And right now, the first nominee is Driller from Slumber Party Massacre for removing... Minor John Minor's head like I don't know you know when are these award ceremonies you ask I, I I don't know I literally just made it up just now so stay tuned back to the movie Court heard some honking and screaming hey somebody heard the noise in a horror movie I wonder if this means they're gonna call the cops call over to Trisha's maybe see what's going on go over there what's up you know hey you know knocking at the front door what what's what's going on maybe they'll do the correct thing for once no no they won't. I have about 20 movie, twenty minutes left in this movie before the finale, so they're not, they're not going to do anything. And nope, they don't. They don't do a thing. All right. I don't know why we let you guys in with the stunts you pulled earlier. Yeah, the audience doesn't know why you let them in earlier either. That's kind of stupid. Whatever. She mentions the doll and they seem confused, but the doorbell saves the day from everybody knowing shit's up because, hey, remember they ordered pizza. So through the door, what's the damage? Six dollars even. First off. $6 for pizza. I know this is 1982, but holy shit, that is a hell of a deal. I love it. Second, who the fuck doesn't open the door to talk to the pizza guy? Third, subplot involving a question about who did what in a big game the other night needs somebody to call Coach. Remember the person I thought was the main character who got a peephole installed? Her. So while they're talking about the big game, the guys still haven't figured out how to fucking open the door for pizza. 
But when they do, Pizza Guy is minus two eyes and falls forward slowly onto the pizza. So, how did no one hear the guy's eyes being removed? And also, more importantly, the fucking pizza is ruined. Damn it, Driller. I was rooting for you, and you ruined pizza, and now I have to hate you. This is just an emotional roller coaster, and I don't know if I can handle it. The phone call ends suddenly, because why would you say, Oh my god, coach, call the cops, there's a fucking corpse, before hanging up. I don't know, that would be too easy. So, she calls 911. Again, I don't know why she didn't tell coach. But they call 911, and before they can give the address, the driller cuts the phone line. But not with the drill. He, he cuts everything else with a drill, but not the phone light. He uses, I don't know, like a fucking knife or something for that. Whatever. She literally gives the numbers in the address, and there were four of them, to 911 before the, the phone line gets cut. And I feel like that shouldn't have been too hard for the cops to figure it out. Like, oh, 7659... What, what what street? Oh no, we don't know. There's probably only one of those addresses in the entire city. Like, four numbers? That's, uh, whatever. So... Holy shitballs, the coach called Val because she knew Val lived nearby. Go coach. But unfortunately, don't go coach because coach wants her to call. Coach wants her to go take a look. Like, what the fuck? I don't know. There were screams and maybe people are dead. So can you go over and take a look? And thankfully, Val again plays it smart and says, I'd rather not, you know. That, that's not a good idea. So Coach, instead of, I don't know, calling the cops, decides she's going to go take a look herself. I'm going to facepalm now, okay? Did you hear that? That was me facepalming. Courtney wants to go, though, but Val puts her soft, puts her foot down very, very softly. Like, no, you can't go over there, okay? The guys want to lock all the doors, close the windows and curtains. It's actually a good plan, guys. Good job. They decide they should then run to Val's. But what if we don't make it? I know. We'll split up so both of us can make it. I'm going to facepalm again now, okay? Listen. There. They made me hurt myself with how bad their movie is. At least Trish gives one a knife and then tells them, maybe we should all stick together. So Trish is actively trying not to be a fucking moron, but the guys just won't listen. So one of the guys says, you have to go through the garage. Why? You already showed everyone walking around the place into the garage. Like, I demand to see the four plans to this house as they continuously change. Then again, considering how the laws of physics keep being broken, I guess changing four plans isn't out of the question. Okay. But he's got to go through there to get to Creepy Neighbor Guy's house because, you know, Trish knows for a fact that Creepy Neighbor Guy's home, except he's totally dead, which is good because he was likely going to rape someone eventually anyways. Good job, Driller. They yell, ready, several times, back and forth, like loudly, ready, ready, are you ready? I'm ready. So if Driller didn't know it was up, he totally does now. Good job. He makes it to the garage where he doesn't notice that there are two fucking corpses until one of them almost hits him in the face, falling down from the rafters. Go Driller. Again, presentation. And then Driller gets him through the heart with the drill. Okay. So the other guy, though, ran out the front door, and he's running around, like, weirdly. I, I don't know how else to describe it. He just runs weirdly. He makes it to Val's and is banging on the door super hard, but I guess Val's TV is too loud. Court's on the phone, so I guess this guy's pretty much fucked. Yep. Driller's stalking at full speed and is crouching, even though the guy literally looked right at him. So, you know how in video games, when you're trying to be stealthy, but you can make your character still run? Yeah, that's the Driller right now. And we can clearly hear the guy yelling loudly enough over Val's TV to be heard. Val even looks towards the door and gives an eye roll. So, despite everything else, wow, Val is a terrible person. Back to rooting for the guy who ruined the pizza. Go, Driller! Guy attacks Driller with a knife. Yeah, it was at least a good shot. And they both fall, just in time to avoid being seen by Val, who finally looks out the window and decides nothing's happening, even though there's two people trying to murder each other out front. 
Driller bites the guy's hand and then uses the guy's own knife to stab him to death. Like, Driller earned that kill. Yeah. And then he carries the kill back to the other house with him, because this guy is about presentation. I can respect that. He clearly enjoys his work and wants to showcase it. He's stuffing Headless's car trunk full of corpses. All right? And then he counts them off out loud. One, two, three, four. And he realizes he's one short. And we see one guy crawling back to the house. Speaking of the house, back in it. They creep towards the pizza guy's corpse like he's a fucking play carrier, and one of them is all, I'm hungry, so they check the pizza. The dude face-planted into the pizza box, by the way. His blood had to have soaked down into it by now, but the, one of the girls just chows down because apparently that weed they had was fucking awesome. They should just start blowing smoke around the house, and maybe it'll calm Driller down. I don't know. So, uh, oh, uh, so that one guy that got drilled through the heart that was crawling, it, it wasn't through the heart. It was just really close to it, so he's bleeding everywhere, and he's up at the door, and he's, he's scratching it to be let in. And the girls hear him, but they don't know if it's the killer, so they decide not to open the door, despite it meaning certain death for the guy. Honestly, though, it's, it's really the smart move on their part. Good job. They, they did a good job there. They do have to hear him being drilled to death, though, and see his blood pool under the door, the back door, the one by the garage that you have to go through to get anywhere else. So while they're hearing him being brutally murdered, do they run out the front door to make a getaway? Nah. Why do that? Back to the coach driving instead of calling the cops. Because, ugh. All right, Val can't find Courtney. Bet she snuck over to the other house. Yeah, she looks out the window and sees Courtney walking on over to Murder Central. Speaking of, uh, I believe we've hit enough deaths now to qualify this as a massacre. So I believe the movie lives up to its title now. Huzzah! Court gets ready to knock, but hides because Val shows up and starts knocking and ringing the doorbell. And then she's seen by Driller. So the girls decide they have to let Val in. But when Jackie opens the door, Driller somehow slashes the drill sideways... And it slits her throat like a fucking knife, even though I'm about 99.9% .9 sure that's not how drills work. But whatever. Now he's inside the house, and the girls run back upstairs, because now they're using horror movie logic. At least they move some heavy shit in front of the door, but somehow neither Val nor Court hear the screams or the drill. This house has a weird sound bubble around it that just mutes shit. Court's told to hang out by the garage as it suddenly starts lightning for no reason, and Val goes to check the front door again, which Driller closed, which was nice of him. He doesn't want, you know, the warm air getting out, or the cold air. I'm not actually sure what time of year this takes place. He also apparently moved Jackie's corpse because it's not right fucking there, and in the 30 seconds, he's hid her, hid her corpse. Like, 30 seconds. Corpse hidden. Impressive. And the girls don't hear Val yelling for them because, again, sound bubble. Oh, wait, no, they do hear her, but now they're not answering her because they, the killer might know where they are. Like, they already, he already fucking knows where you are. Like, seriously, why do you even care at this point? He knows where you are. Fucking yell back down. Val, there's a killer in the house. Ah! Nope, none of that. So Tris puts forth the idea then that maybe Val is working with the killer because there has been no evidence to that whatsoever, and they're just spitballing. So whatever, Val gives up and goes back to the garage to find Courtney, who isn't there anymore. The girls are going to sit and talk about what's happening, and their fucking bedroom window behind them is open, despite earlier, you know, when they were like, we should go around and lock all the doors, close all the windows, close all the curtains. Apparently, they missed one. So, Driller climbs in behind them, and his cartoon villain sneaking up on them. Like, you know, raises a foot way too high, sets it back down very gently, 
repeat over and over until he steps on a loud board and the girls promptly forget they're holding knives and run around the room and throw shit at him. And then at least Trish has the presence of mind to pick up a bat and hit Driller right in the head with it, which knocks him out momentarily. So what do they do? Move stuff away from the door to escape. They don't pick up the drill and kill him with it. They don't they don't pick up a knife and kill him with it. Trish forgets that she's holding a knife, doesn't stab him with it. No, they just they move stuff so they can run. So he wakes up, grabs a knife that they left on the ground, because, you know, Trish, Trish is holding the other knife. She literally could have ended this by stabbing him right after she batted him in the head, but no. So he stabs not Trish, because having a fr- shitty friend in a horror movie means you die. Val's wandering around the backyard looking for court, and again, doesn't hear the shitloads of screaming happening from inside. Driller is stalking through the house looking for Trish, and gets caught up looking at his reflection for a moment. Interesting, pointless scene. Weird. Val finds court, and they decide that they should head home, because nothing's happening around here. Nope, nothing. No screams, no drill noises, nothing at all. Ten minutes to credits rolling. Something big better happen soon. This is the worst game of hide-and-seek I have ever seen. And then Val and Court go back into the house. What? Why? They just said they were going to go back home, but now they're inside. Whatever. Court wants to raid the fridge and opens it in the perfect way so they can't see not Trish in it. Wait, what the fuck? Did he put her in the fridge? Like, was he chasing Val? He was chasing Val the whole time. And then he was chasing Trish, though. Did, did she live through the stabbing and crawl into the fridge for safety? What the literal fuck is going on here? Sight gag fridge corpse happens another time, and almost again, but finally Court opens the door wide enough that they can see dead, not Trish. Remember, that's the one whose name I never bothered to learn. Her. Val sees her too, and they decide to book it, but Val sees a shadow and hides in the basement after telling Court to run. Driller's now walking around the ground floor. Court is hiding under a couch, because why run out the front fucking door, right? I don't know. Driller sets his drill down and starts moving Pizza Guy, who somehow remained unseen by Val and Court, and tosses him down the stairs, freaking the fuck out of Drill. Sorry, freaking the fuck out of Val. Driller gets his drill again and decides he's going to lay down in front of the fireplace with a blanket covering him. Is he taking a nap? No, he's pretending to be Pizza Corpse. Okay. Oh, hey, it's Coach. She lets herself in and is instantly drawn to the corpse-like form under a blanket. Good job, Driller. Way to see the future, buddy. He attempts to drill Coach, who grabs a fire poker to fight him off. Val's in the basement searching for a weapon and finds a fucking bandsaw, which is corded so she damn near kills herself running up the stairs with it on. I apologize for this pun, but I have to make it. Is he gonna drill Coach, or is she gonna poke him? Sorry, I had to. So, court to the rescue, she trips Driller, who gets beaten to shit by Coach, and then Trish runs out of nowhere and stabs him, and then promptly freaks out because she stabbed a guy. And that happens just long enough for Driller to swing his drill wildly, again, cutting somebody open, cuts Coach open across the stomach because drills apparently function as knives in this universe. Good to know. Val finds a machete because the basement of Trisha's house is, is just a fucking weapon shop. Driller talks about how pretty everyone was, and then he says he loves Trish and talks about how much, how much love it takes to murder people. This just ruined Driller for me. Pretty much. I mean, up until now, he'd been a silent, just, uh, he's just murdering people because he's insane. And now they tried to give him a reason because he loves how pretty they, I don't know. It was pointless. They shouldn't have done it. Whatever. They shouldn't have made this movie in the first place, but God bless them. They did. And I love it. So Val runs up the stairs and starts to run towards him with the machete, but takes time to close the basement door first. Legitimately, she takes a moment to stop charging towards the drill wielding maniac who has her friend cornered to close a door. 
manners. They're important. Val swings and misses, but keeps chasing Driller out into the yard. Driller has a whole backyard to, to, to play around in, but instead steps right next to a pool, bet he won't fall in it, before she swings and literally cuts the drill in half. Because even though it's been perfect enough to drill through everything we've seen and cut people open knife style, that machete is actually fucking goddamn Excalibur in disguise. So Val chops off his hand before slicing him open, and he falls into the pool. Duh. She then freaks out and drops the machete. That's a smart move. Court runs out, sister hug, and one-handed drill guy climbs out of the fucking pool while they're oblivious as fuck and fights them both off. Again, he's missing a hand, he's been slashed across the chest, and he's still fighting them both off, and attempts to strangle Val one-handed, I mean, points to him for this, and then Trish runs out with a knife but doesn't stab him. Like... Just some scuffling happens, and then he jumps at Val, who grabs the machete and holds it out, and he impales himself on it. Maybe that'll finally do it. Who knows? Val, Court, Trish, they all just sit around and cry for a bit, and then you hear sirens, because I don't know who called the cops, but apparently somebody did. But we'll never find out who called the cops, because that's the end of Slumber Party Massacre. Well, it's the end of the first one. There's at least two more in this franchise. Yes. Well, that was it for this episode of Horror 4H. Since we did all the social media stuff at the beginning this time, I suppose I don't need to rehash it all for you again. I hope you enjoyed hearing about how terrible Slumber Party Massacre was, and that hearing how awful it was makes you want to go watch it, because as much as I riff on these movies, I love them. Bad horror is wonderful. It's zen to watch something so bad that it's entertaining, and I don't want any of you to not watch these movies because of me. I hope you're more likely to watch them now, because if you're not having bad horror in your life, your life is lacking. But if I'm the only way you're getting bad horror into your life, then thanks for letting me do that for you. And stay tuned, because I already have the movie I'm doing next episode picked out. A buddy of mine who listens, hey Mike, gave me a fantastic idea for which movie to do next, and I'm going to listen to him. I'm going to do that one. So thanks for listening. See you next time on Horror 4H. Well, I won't see you, because that's not how this works. If I could, then that'd kind of be a horror movie in and of itself. And it'd be a bad one. And I'd riff on that. And then they'd make a bad one about that. And then I'd riff on that. Never-ending cycle of bad horror and riffing. Time loop. Yeah, let's not, let's not go down that road. Have a good one.